Yeah, you already know what it is. Your boy Benz alongside Christina with Spark Up Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Yo, yo, Back yo. Again for another episode. What up? What up? Welcome everybody to episode one fifty nine. I am over here flustered with my microphone, but we'll figure it out. Welcome everybody to episode one fifty nine of the Spark Up Podcast. Thank you, everybody, everybody, for tuning in to another episode. <laughs> So we usually start with some music, but today, if you're looking forward to that, I am so sorry. I have let you down, but just, you know, make believe it's happening in your head or I can sing whatever you guys want to do. We don't want to no? hear you okay. sing. Okay. So <laughs> before we get into, now I don't even know how to start this. Before we get into the podcast here, we do have a guest with us. Um, but before we get into that, I just have a quick announcement. There's a Providence Slam open mic featuring the brilliant Janae Lopes, who we had here last week. Episode 158. Go check that out. That is out right now. And um, that is going down at AS220 in downtown Providence. Doors open at 7. Show starts at 8 o'clock. $5 at the door. And masks are highly encouraged because... It is flu season and people are getting sick. So, you know, just be more cautious. I feel like people stopped being clean too. Like people forgot they had to be clean because I've been seeing. Wash I, your hands. Yeah, I've been seeing some people in the bathroom now washing their their hands and that blows my mind. Flu, COVID or not, like just be clean, please. But Damn, um, Damn so in the women's bathroom, they're skipping the washing their hands. That's crazy. Oh, for sure. Y'all living life on a crazy side. What's wrong with y'all? No, because I've guys, I've heard guys say that they don't need to clean their hands. Mm, nah, them, them, them guys is bugging. They're bugging. I saw plenty of men go to the bathroom. Oh, pre- bring the mic up close to your mouth. Oh, please. Saw plenty, plenty. How does it sound audio wise? Oh, we we better now. We better now. Yeah, like literally directly into the mic. Directly to the mic. Yes. Thank uh, you so much. So yeah, plenty of men I've seen. Going to and not wash their hands, not wash right? Hands. No, it's a wild time. I, I see. I'm not gonna front. I seen some guy. Walk, I, I was in the bathroom. He walked in, kind of with me. You know what I mean? Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything. Nah, because you looking if you at want me a, like if you want a buddy in the bathroom, that's on you. Like I mean, I don't mind somebody holding it so I could pee. Somebody holding pee. holding it. You said yeah. Why not? That is <laughs> less Yo, work for me. We're not gonna Go start. Right we're not gonna start here. We're not doing this too. Nah, nah. But no, all no, jokes no. aside, like, <laughs> yeah, Yo, you are. All jokes aside, like, you know, we walked in. He he finished before I did, so he walked right out, and I was just like, this motherfucker didn't wash his hands. Yeah, people are dirty. I'm telling you. But anyway, here we have with us uh, this man does mad things i was doing my research on you and i was like okay wow this is a boss man right here i'm trying to be like you we have with us travis escobar who is the founder correct of millennial ri and co-founder of papi's coquito um so we're just gonna jump right actually no before we jump right into it we got to do the vibe check vibe check is basically how we're feeling, how we're doing. How was Thanksgiving, too? We, we had Thanksgiving. I, I mean, Thanksgiving's lit. We had a good time. We had a great time. How was your Thanksgiving, Travis? Fantastic. Spent some time with the family. Um, had some papi's coquito. Had some papi's coquito. 
mac and cheese, mm. turkey. Wow. Yeah, know. it was good. I saw some controversy on Twitter about mac and cheese. <gasps> what was it? I think it was uh, one of the, like the way was, people are making was, like, it. Like influencers, it, like baked or not? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. As one of those influencers came out, I think his name is Mark Lamont. He was like, "Oh, mac and cheese is underrated." Oh, I know Mark Lamont. Yeah, yeah. I think I was told he was like mac and cheese is uh, underrated, and uh, I remember reading that right before going into my, my my fam's house and my niece cooked mac and cheese this time. Oh wow! And it was great. That's good. Sometimes I feel like, yeah, maybe, maybe it could just be a, a side dish, yeah. but like this mac and cheese that she made, it could definitely it could definitely be a main dish. It was yeah. fine, you know, calm and everything like that. There's nothing better than the baked mac coming out good because mm-hmm. there is somebody, I'm not going to say their name, I'm not going to put them on blast, but they don't bake their mac. And I was very, I was taken aback. I was like, you're not going to put that in the oven? And she was like, no. And I was like, oh, wow. So we're eating white people mac and cheese was it easy mac no it was homemade and it was actually really delicious <laughs> i don't, I really don't think that's like you know like a white thing not baking it not baking it i don't think I, I think there's different people make it different but i've definitely seen i've definitely you know black people I, who don't yes. bake their mac yes okay so how do they make it just like uh, well i don't know the like but it looks yeah. like or a crock pot. Yeah, crock pot. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it's the cheese they make. Yeah, it's all about the cheese combination. Mm. That's really where it is. That's where it's at, and how, like, how the cheesy. cheese comes together oh. with the. Wow, that's crazy! I want some pasta. Now. We have to stop this. <laughs> Thanksgiving was really good for me. I got to. This was probably the first Thanksgiving. That I can remember that was like drama free, peaceful, because, you mm. know, in my family dynamic is a little it's a little strained and there was none of that this year. Um, and it was the first year where I blended friends and family. So like I'm at a point where my friends are like family. So it was nice to bring them with me and have them be with my family and them just fit in you know they were just chilling right they were just having a good time it was Um, a good time and i got really saucy which was really nice because i was in a safe place you know and when you're out drinking is different than when you're with family Mm -hmm. drinking when you're with family drinking is is more something more fun about it but I had a great Thanksgiving. So welcome everybody back from your Thanksgiving break. I had a nice little break. This is the first year I did not have to work a Black Friday because I am a big girl now and I have an office job. So I'm outside. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna front. The start of the week I started on third gear. Meaning it was rough. Oh, it was a bad Monday? You, you, I mean you don't drive a manual, but when you start in third gear, it's like uh, yeah. You couldn't get up from bed Is that why No no I, I got up quick but So what made it rough Are you going to share with the class Just the process of that The Monday progressing Is just Okay Not understanding Very that. Very slow Even though I was like Ready to go It Didn't want to go mm, You're saying it was a slow start to your week Yes Very okay. slow Yeah I mean that's what Mondays are, right? Most people are dragging their feet, especially now in the winter. And it's mad dark. Today was mad dark, I feel like, all day long. There was not much sun. 
Or maybe I'm saying that because I was inside, but whatever. Yeah, you was definitely inside. It's not important. We're good. We're feeling good. We're ready to pot. And we have here Travis Escobar, and we're going to get into all things that he does. Um, and I know that you do many things in the city of Providence. And you have this beautiful Providence hat, uh, which reminds me of Lorza. I'm going to miss him so much being in office. Uh, I don't know what the city will be like without him, but... We could we, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we would definitely talk about that. So... But how I was first introduced to you was through Millennial RI. I kept seeing these events like Millennial RI. I'm like, who the hell? What the? What is going on? Um, and you were on the cover of Providence Monthly Magazine for the Who to Watch 2022 edition. So um, that was pretty cool. And shout out to a friend of the show, Amber Jackson, owner of the Black Leaf Tea and Culture Shop, who is also on that cover. Um, but talk to us about Millennial RI. What is it? Yeah, so I'm going to be... As as much candid as I can be on on Millennial Rhode Island as I think when I was first introducing it. And please let me know if audio and everything is sounding all good. We're all good. Um, so Millennial Rhode Island, like I graduated college 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about Alorza. Uh, one of the first things I did when I graduated from Rhode Island College was uh, I bought a lot of business cards do Vista print shout out to Vista print. <laughs> and, uh, I went out to as many places as possible. It said Travis Escobar, Rowan college graduate, political science. Boom, boom, boom. And I was passing them out and I had a, I had a successful student career. And before that, like I was back at the classroom type student, mm. you know, 11th grade failed English and Spanish. I'm Puerto Rican. I don't know how to speak Spanish. So like <gasps> I was in an aspect of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in an aspect of like, you know, I can't speak both languages. So, you know, I'm in this really? sort of failure aspect. But then senior year, I kind of turned it all around. It kind of aligned with the Obama change campaign. Mm. So fast forward, I'm at Rick. I do very well. I'm president of the student body for a couple of years. I give the graduation speech at Rowland College 2013. So I'm riding on a high. I did a lot. I did a lot over there. And coming out, business cards. I'm going to a lot of networking spaces and I'm not seeing a lot of events, a lot of engagement for people really in that 21, I'll say to 35 or 40 demographic. And the spaces I did see, they're just not diverse. So uh, I was actually with Alorza, who's judge at the time running for mayor. I go to a bunch of events, bunch of events with him. Um, one of his first volunteers of the campaign. And I'm seeing that. And then I meet a good amount of people. So I meet uh, Deone Garcia, who's now a housing court judge. He, he, he works as a lawyer too. Stephanie Gonzalez, who is the wife of a lawyer. That wasn't the case uh, beforehand. I think they probably start dating a little bit after I met her. Uh, and and uh, Erlen Rogel, um, who uh, works at the lieutenant governor's office. Uh, all successful people, all I, you know, all our all our co-founders of this organization. And during this time, we're talking about the we're talking about really just all these different aspects of like, how do we empower young professionals? How do we provide mo- mostly empower like this diverse group that's coming up of young professionals? Because I think not only us, but a lot, a lot of the people that have been affiliated with Millennial Rhode Island kind of felt the same sorry no worries uh kind of kind of felt that hey we're not getting this this ton of interaction with the 
older generation. Mm. And we know we want a place in this state. Like we, we, we know we want to do great things here in Rhode Island. You know, either people in their mid twenties, our founders or early twenties in my case. And we just know we want to be here. So how do we do that? Best way to do that was just, let's get everyone in a room together. Let's meet everyone, meet everyone. Let's have these ongoing events, whether it's just social networking, which is very important. And, you know, it's professional development networking, whether it's like talking about buying a home, how to invest, how to start a business, really just how to get invested in Rhode Island. So that was really the basis of Millennial Rhode Island. We've been going for, for eight years now. Even during COVID, you look on our Facebook page, we, we were doing the virtual events, you know, which not a lot of organizations were doing. And it's always been a volunteer um, basis. And where I have been is just, especially now as 32 years old, starting this organization, 24, 25, a lot of it with my own money, a lot of it trying to go out within the net, go out within the network I was creating. I wrote an op-in in the Providence Journal. I left my email address. I said, hey, I want to do these things for young people. Basically, uh, in 2014, there was this infamous uh, uh, article with Time Magazine saying millennials are narcissistic, selfish, whatever, lazy, they say the same things about Gen Z, mind mm-hmm. you, in different ways. Mm-hmm. So there's just always like this pick on the younger generation, especially when you talk about mm-hmm. like hip hop now mm-hmm. or the music, right? There's always just pick on a young generation. And that I will not want to get into. But d- during that time, I, I, I saw that and I saw everyone using millennial in a negative context at that time. I'm like, I want to flip it to a positive. So, yeah, we, we formulate the organization. I had a lot of people to help. And, and that's one of the things that I know we're going to talk about in terms of Providence or Island. It was, it was easy to find people to just help. You know, you just ask like, Hey, how do I start a nonprofit? How do I, how do I, this is an idea I have. How do I get it to a standpoint where I could get sponsors? You know, not everything has to come out of my pocket. Mm. And I would ask questions and connect with people and this community is so welcoming. And I just took every opportunity that was given to me to make it to make it happen and still have it going in this volunteer, you know, aspect where even during COVID or even during the, the period, which a lot of people don't like to talk about 2021, mostly where it's like, eh, COVID's still here, but maybe we're doing events and you're yeah. doing an event and maybe you might have a spread, but here, take that risk. But we know what the mental health data tells us about if we're all isolated and we're not getting people together. And especially how, the online social media aspect is right now, which I'm, I'm, I am, I am worried about. We need more interactions. We need more connectivity, like in person, in person connectivity. Mm-hmm. We we do need that. I'm um, I'm not trying to go away from the work from home aspect and what COVID has shown as a benefit to to honestly employers and employees. But as humans, we we we're social people. We do need to be. We do need to have some time where we're connecting with individuals, and especially for your career, if you want to get anywhere, you need to have in-person social connectivity with people that are going to help you advance, whether mm-hmm. it's your own peers or people that are older than you. Um, so that's what Millennial Rhode Island is about. And I'm very proud that we're still here. A lot of volunteer organizations, because we're in that category where, because uh, I'm on the funder side of my full-time job, we're in a category of. It's, we're not the most sexiest thing to fund, believe it or not. 
And it's because we have huge issues going on in the city and state. So if you ask me, would you much rather put $100,000 in homelessness or $100,000 in your professionals networking? And I only had $100,000, I'm going to give you to homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, most funders, 99% of funders are going to make that call. We still provide an important service. And the funders that we've had, Bank Newport has been great. Other credit unions, other sponsors have been wonderful for us. We have a scholarship program that's through the lieutenant governor's office right now. Actually just got announced. Um, we're going to be in our, I think this is going to be our fourth year running. Um, a little penalty to me for not being <laughs> accurate. But we're going to give uh, scholarships to high school students that are looking to pitch a business. Uh, Providence Detailing, which is... You can pull up on your Instagram. They have a lot of customers. I mean, they were one of the individuals that came through our, our scholarship program. So I might be on a tangent, but like we've been doing a lot of great things as a volunteer organization. There are people I know that have met their life partner, have met mm. friendships, have gotten jobs, um, have just made fr- just made friends and felt like closer to this community. And it's due to programming that we've been doing at a very low cost yeah. um, aspect. I mean. I, I think you've been making great waves. I hear, you know, I've heard a lot of my peers saying they went to a millennial RI event and I met so-and-so and then I met this person. So, you know, so what you're saying, like nothing you're saying is crazy, you know, like some to some people, though, like like when you were comparing generations and like the older generation calling the younger generation lazy. Right. I think it's because there's such a difference in the way we move and the way we do things. And I think because things are changing, people kind of do stray away from that person to person interaction, especially now with social media. But when when you hear older people calling our generation lazy, um, I I feel like there's some truth to that. Not maybe not lazy is the word, but just that we have it a little bit easier than they did because of the access to technology and information on the internet like for me my gripe with gen z is that they all want to be influencers right nobody really wants well that we know of right that's what sticks out because social media has a funny way of putting out what seems popular but then you go out into the world and they want to be doctors they want to be lawyers and teachers and all the uh you know stereotypical jobs but i don't know i just so i find it so fascinating um when you do get older, you kind of become that older person, like the old head to what you're saying in hip hop. That happens a lot. Um, but what, what do you say to then someone that says, OK, but back in my day, we worked off ten dollars an hour. Now y'all are making eight. I mean, that's not the right number, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's just a different like wage gap now, of course, because cost of living has risen. So what do you say to people who. Where am I going with this question? What do you say to people who do say that millennials are lazy and what is your perspective on that? Yeah, every generation has had their lazy people. Right? It just it just, it just is, is it just mm-hmm. is what it is, right? I I don't think any generation's that different other than the positions that we are we are put in. I can't critique the young generation coming in i try to i try to lead and with empathy and try to really put themselves put myself in their shoes what they're going through so your comment about a lot of young people want to be influencers well i mean look what we're doing right now 
right? Like podcast, video, everything like some young person, 12, 13 year old could go on Spark Up Podcast and be like, that's what I want to do. Mm. Right? And who's to fault them for that? Because there's money to be made in content creation. There's money to be made in TikTok. There's money to be made in Instagram, right? So I can't fault for people to do that. I think social media, so the conversation on social media is we need to get to a point where we're talking about how toxic it is. Mm. And we need to talk about how Social media. We need to talk about social media in the same vein as alcohol, as drugs, and that might sound crazy, but no, not at all. The, not the, over here. We <laughs> talk about that all the time. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, 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 I'm good here. But saying that, but like, we can look at the the data of how social media has impacted the mental health of young people, mm-hmm. especially suicide rates. I saw something. Recently on uh, Meet the Press, they had an episode dedicated to gun violence, all the things that were happening um, around the country. It keeps happening around the country. And uh, it, it was a stat, and I'm not going to be exact, but it was like 44,000 Americans died of gun violence in 2022. I'd have to imagine it's probably less than COVID. Again, I don't want to be exact. If anyone wants to fact check me, cancel me, all that. But like 44,000 individuals died in America, about half that, l- l- less than half that was suicide. You can't tell me social media doesn't have an impact here, right? Or COVID, like the reactionary from COVID and people feeling lonely or people. And phone addiction is a real thing. Like I look at my screen time, I feel disgusted. Mm -hmm. And I think too many individuals are geared toward the social media influencer being that as the the profession of their choice because that's all they're seeing. When the TV was on in whatever year it was created, because I don't want to be inaccurate, like there were conversations about how the TV was detrimental to young people. Get young people, they're stuck on the TV, all of that, right? Pretty sure if we look back in history, we'll see commercials, ads. I mean, it, it literally does affect like speech. Like when you're coming, like raising a baby, screen time affects your child's speech. So. So to a point, screen time is of you know, is a f- impactful in a negative way. So now the TV is just with you. The, t- the TV is just with you every day, mm-hmm. right? You go on there. I-, I got really smart people I love. They they can't help but scroll through TikTok for six seven hours a day. <laughs> it's pretty wild, but yeah. Right? And how many people? How many people are making money on TikTok? A lot of money be made on TikTok. There's a lot of money. I mean, we 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 pretty sure like we we all know like in terms of like podcasting or video. Uh, I mean, YouTube or whatever. The longer you get on someone to listen or view your content, it's just more money. So that's why a lot of people want to gear toward that because that's where we're heading to. But that's bad for our country. I was at um because you know I get to go to those bougie dinners. I'm just a kid from the South Side and everything but i get to go to those bougie dinners so i went to providence chamber of commerce um annual meeting uh which is great i mean all those opportunities is great i'll make fun of it a little bit and, you know they'll understand that but like you know i go there and i see um secretary uh gina Raimondo with um secretary Martha walsh you know we all know gina was governor um a solid governor in, in my book what she did with the state marty walsh was a good mayor in um boston and they were talking about this. They were talking about how, you know, there are certain industries that 
they are worried about and they get that they get deep information right these are individuals right now that have access to information that we don't know in terms of like the future what the countryside and all that and they are worried about the jobs of the future specifically when it comes to um, specific chips that we depend on i'm not going to talk like an expert but i will say that like taiwan for example um produces a lot of chips that our countries that are i mean our companies our country like depend on and um, there's billions of dollars invested during the biden administration to go and create um chips at home compared to in taiwan because if china have attacked taiwan um that would impact a lot of our countries these are all things that are googleable i don't want i'm, I'm not really speaking at this point at a night like to to be very exact but it's something to google i'm pretty sure you search and find it co- correctly but where they were going to is like we don't know if we have the jobs here. We don't know if we have the talent here. We need to maybe fix our immigration laws to bring people over here. And the one thing they didn't highlight, which I think they should highlight and talk about more, is social media and our young people. Because social media is more gearing people to jobs that are more being an influencer as opposed to, hey, maybe I want to be a scientist, maybe I want to be an astronaut, maybe I want to be a builder, maybe I want to be a business owner. Oh, no, maybe if I do a dance on TikTok, I might make a couple million dollars. I might have went a little bit long-winded, but <laughs> no, that's all yeah, like, it's that's true. all thing that's like kind of keeps me up a mm-hmm. little bit, thinking about the future yeah, of I our saw country. Yeah, I saw you in another interview talking about, like, speaking of the future, you, and, and I mentioned Alorza and me being concerned about what the city will look like after his, um, his administration. Um, you talked about the future of Rhode Island and your concern of like the culture and if everyone leaves, because I know you're a big advocate for Rhode Island and if everyone leaves, then where, who's the culture, where's the culture at, you know? And I think that mayor Lorza has done a, a good job and I could be wrong. Maybe it's just my perspective, but from my perspective, I think that he's done a good job at creating a culture, right? He's ran with the PVD, the, the acronym, um, sort of speak and made it this like statewide pride along with the PVD fest, along with all the programs that he created for schools and after school programs for families and children. Like, you know, th- these are things that I've utilized. So, um, what was I asking you? Where, what is your most, what is your biggest concern when it comes to the future of Rhode Island? And do you think that millennial RI could be that, launch pad i guess sort of speak to shift it into shift it over to where we can save the culture or i guess cultivate a new culture if anything yeah no that's that's a really good question um so uh the 2014 election was a lorza beating cianti and it was big huge and like like that election set a focal point to look to have the city look for the future mm-hmm. and when angel won that was definitely a big deal yeah when angel Tavares won that was definitely a big deal and he only had one term and he went for governor and i don't blame him for doing everything like that like a lot of people were disappointed that he went for a second term but that was a big deal it was like oh wow we have this latino we have this person of color it's just take it out. This person of color, 
Mayer. We went from, you know, Buddy, Cicilline. Before Buddy, we had Joe Polino in the mix. Went, oh, my God. We got this person of color here running the city. Because we know the Democratic city has completely changed, right? But Alorza's stamp in November of that year was it was just big because Buddy was, and even to this day, is still, like, a figure over the city. Yeah, he's iconic. Mm-hmm. Iconic, right? Over the city. So that was huge, and I was glad to 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 be a part of that. Small as large, uh, I don't many people want to uh, slice it, but because um, I was one of his first volunteers in the campaign, and I met Alorza when you know we're just driving, listening to Jay Z, going to like a fundraiser. You know, like he's that he's that guy, right? He's a hip hop guy. You got Wunting, you know, mm-hmm. album in the background. Mm-hmm. Like he's that guy, right? As much as he likes to play for everybody. And I feel more comfortable saying that as he's entering out of his term. I could say he's a guy from Providence. He's a he's a Providence guy for real. He's a Providence guy. He's a hip hop fan. He understands the streets. He understands the Harvard Ivy League people. He tries to balance all of that. He gets mm. that. Real fan of policy. One of the smartest people I've ever met, ever had the pleasure to work with. Learned a lot with him. Um, he just hated politics. And that's one of his biggest critics. Like he just he hated, and I don't feel afraid to say that now because he's not, he's not going to be in politics. And he would he'd probably say that now in an interview. He he hated. He just wants to do good things. Mm. You know, he just wants to follow the dad. He wants to follow policy. He just wants to. He was ambitious on just ideas. He wasn't trying to sell it to people that wasn't really about it. Because like this is what the dad says. Like this is what is going to be best for people. I don't really want to do schmoozing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do schmoozing. Uh, we're, we're entering into um, mayor-elect uh, Smiley, who I haven't had a lot of tears with. And I'm on the Providence School Board, right? So I, I will get a chance to meet with him and talk with him. I know plenty of people that um, support him, had uh, a great experience with uh, working with him. It seems from afar, again, I don't, I don't know him as much as I knew Alorza, like, seems far he was really good at the politics so he's not a providence kid right he's not he's not at all he's not even from rhode island he's not he's not which uh, in my my more mature my more older stance right <laughs> trying to be like well if i'm saying choose rhode island he chose rhode island true right he chose rhode island yeah. and he did a lot of work to get here what he did is very difficult to do I know he I know he had access to money and all of that. You could look at that. That's still very hard to do. There are people that have had access to money and lost elections. Mm. And looking at it in the very beginning, just because so many people have had all the money in the world but they didn't connect mm-hmm. the dots, he actually made connections in the community. He had a lot of one on one conversations. Again, I don't I've never really met with him one on one. I'm just just giving you my 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 analysis of the team. I think if he continues the prospect of bridge building, Mm. which I think is what was missing in the past eight years, not only with the General Assembly, the City Council, and just community members at large, if he takes what got him to win, which was just legitimate, just, just getting people to meet him and like him, and find consensus and moving forward. He's quite the finesser. It worked. It worked. And and that's the thing. Like he, he no one can say he didn't work hard. 
No mm. one could like yes, he had access to money. I think he would agree, I think he would agree to that. He had networks that I would never have access to coming from the south side of province. Elorza did not have access to. You know, if he didn't like if Elorza didn't go to Harvard, he probably doesn't become mayor. Like I remember mm. him like it, the one like the Harvard Ivy League aspect that works with the East Side voter base. Like, 100%. I'm not saying anything that's a lie that people, you know, it, mm-hmm. it just is what it is, right? When you say Harvard, people just be like, oh my God, you must be so smart. That's, I don't know, that's not really the case in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you've got a whole bunch of Ivy League individuals that are not the brightest. Yeah. Um. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not in like, I'm not, I'm still hopeful. You got to give whoever wins the chance. Oh, we have no choice. You got I mean, no choice. I mean, and, and, and he, so won. he won. He, he won. won and, he won. He won. And it wasn't him choosing the position. It was the people. Yeah. So, I mean, at the, in, the, in, the overall, in the overall scheme of things, I think the people spoke. Let me, let me, let me say that. Let people me, let me also just, don't vote. Well, so, let me, the let people me. spoke. Uh, not, not voting is a... You're saying something. Yeah. I mean, but if people, if more people voted, Brett Smiley would not have, wouldn't have been the only name on that ballot. He's sure, the absolutely. only name on the ballot. That's crazy. Well, that was for the general, right? So for the primary. Well, you know, I'm saying in November, he was the only name on the ballot. Which, which is, it, it's more, it's more just contribute to our environment of Rhode Island is more of a democratic. Mm-hmm place and no one that has a republican tag is going to win mayor of Providence, right that's why buddy cnc ran as independent mm. he couldn't run as a republican he i mean he you could argue that maybe he was closer to a republican than a democrat mm-hmm. but he knew he had to run as independent right to 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 win and um so that's why we ended up with that in november in previous elections, we, we usually had, like, an independent candidate that would come out. didn't really change, I guess, like, the turnout aspect mm-hmm. or people paying attention. Or, like, or there could have been two Democrats on the ballot, too. That's well, possible. Well, I've thought about if we have a huge leftist um, community that has been growing in um, Providence. Sometimes I wonder if there was someone that was... So in Bernie Sanders in Vermont, right? He's he's an independent. He's just independent. He's ran as a Democrat and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. by both uh, last two both presidential primaries. Sometimes I wonder if you had like an independent that was more to the left in this growing progressive city and problem with maybe there's more of a challenge there. But um, in the primary, I think we just ran into a case where Nerva and Gonzalo, who I both uh, respect. And in love for their different um, talents and aspects and what and their contributions to the city slash state, I think they just you know they just took away from each other. When when Brett Smiley really just won with the primary forty one percent of the vote, um, that tells you fifty nine percent of the Democratic voters, which is a low turnout, said we didn't you weren't our person, mm. right? So that gives I, I I would I would believe that. The advisors, there's a lot of smart people around him. And from my hearing, he's a smart person. I would have to understand that he knows that 59% of the primary voters voted against me. I should work to attract those those individuals, right? 
um, you're not running with a mandate, I think, to 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 fully control. Because I, I joke around this with some people. I think some people are going to wake up in January. They're going to see Breast Miley inaugurated and be like, oh, that's our man. What happened to the Lord? Is he going to run again? <laughs> no, no. And, and, and it goes to like, we have a lack of civic education mm-hmm. in general. It's a big disconnect. Big disconnect. And I truly believe people are going to be like, wait, Alorza couldn't run again? Did he step down? What happened? Because the primary is in the summer. Yeah, it's, it's bad timing. Average people in the summer, they don't talk about politics. Especially after Trump, all that. Like, a lot of people today don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, they're turned off by it. Turned off by it. I, and, you know, you see all the signs and everything, and you're just like, Okay, whatever. Okay, I, I gotta pump my gas. I gotta feed my family. I gotta get to work. I gotta like, whoever's mayor, state rep, governor. Like, what are you doing to help me? Mm. Right? What are you doing to help? Me? I'm struggling. I can't pay attention to all those things. Plus, I'm following TikTok six hours a day. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, so, but, but when was the last time a politician helped you? Helped you like literally? You know what I mean, like Biden's trying to cancel my student loans, so that election mattered <laughs> for sure. But like he's you having know, a hard time with that I'm, one. What I'm saying is, like directly, when was the last time that you know these politicians actually went out to the neighborhoods? You know, don't don't get me wrong, the local scene you see it a lot. You know, because they're local, so they're able to approach more people. But a lot of a lot of politicians nowadays. I don't know if they they're working hard to even like inform people. Yeah, but that's the thing to what he was talking about with Alorza, where Alorza didn't he didn't like the politics mm-hmm. part of it, and you see Alorza at every event, every mm-hmm. local event, he was there shaking hands and kissing babies and making those connections with people, and you know that's just part of the job. Like if you're asked and requested to be somewhere, mm-hmm. you're there. But then a lot of people will take that as oh he's just doing that because he's the mayor and it looks good right so then now you question is it genuine are they doing this for the votes or are they doing this because they really care about the neighborhood and then there's also just time like you don't have time to literally connect with every single person in the neighborhood um and i think that politics already is skewed because the system was literally built against people of color right so then now you're asking people of color to then interact with the system so the disconnect it, you're right there is a disconnect but it's like how do and, you know how where do we meet where does that middle ground look like and the reason why i bring that up is because um the other day i was speak i forgot exactly how the conversation started but they was talking about cnc and they was like, oh, that was my mayor. He came down to my store and helped me do this. He helped me. Well, you know what I mean? he so, was also a crook. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what I mean? You could say that about every politician. I can't say that about Lorza. I, I, I'm not saying, the lo- you know, I don't want, you know, nobody to take it and run with it a different way. But what I'm saying is that someone out there may say, Oh, that guy's a crook. You know, you know what I mean. Like you're always in a bad light, regardless. There, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, politicians I know, whether in the general assembly, mm-hmm. state rep, was it's, it's um, part time, right? 
Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to like mayor full time, not every mayor is a full time position. So if you hear like mayor of Newport, mayor of Pawtucket, mayor, well, mayor of Pawtucket is full time, but like other mayors, I, I won't even put on that. They're, not every mayor or town administrator is like full time position. So I just like it, it all differentiates. Where am I going with that? Um, with so with, with talking about Buddy, right? And mm-hmm. We're talking about like the disconnect of. I just want to bring it to like disconnect of like running for people of color, which statistically we all know a lot of people come up, people of color are not coming for money, right? I could tell you Alorza put in everything he had. His past two candidates put in everything they had financially, work, whatever they had to do. Nerva was working full time or running for mayor. For sure. People ask me. Because they saw me 2013, 2014, young kid, whatever, and saying, like, when are you going to run? Whatever. I, still get that. I was going to ask you that, actually. When are you going to run? When are you going to run? <laughs> Just do the math. Just do the math of running. Running for mayor, I, I think Brett Smiley ran a uh, uh, fundraise a million dollars. If I could fundraise a million dollars, I'm going to run for mayor of Providence. I'm going to start a business. Mm. Do, do you think push. I'd much rather have a million dollar of investors for a company where I could build wealth? For a family that I could not build, I cannot build wealth in. Or I'm gonna go run for mayor of province and get a hundred and twenty thousand dollar position, which I think is around the salary. Like, yeah. let, let's be real, and, and let's look at the other individuals. I think they might have ran. I think the other people might have fundraised three, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred. It was substantially less than Breast Smiley, right? We don't people of color in the state. We don't got people. We don't got OGs on our network. That can be like, yo, fam, I got you on the. So this is how the hustle goes, though, for fundraising, right? You, if you got a super rich friend, they might be able to create a pack for you, separate, and then do some mailings and do some other stuff for you to help you win. And then you got the other way, which is like, hey, this is what a political operator would tell you, like, hey, can you get someone to do two thousand dollars? So if you go somewhere, let, let's say I'm running in 2022, right? So I guess someone in December of 2021. Give me a thousand dollars, January twenty twenty two. Give me another thousand dollars because that's the max. Like that. That's the conversation. I like how many people you get two thousand dollars and like finagle that, right? I don't got telling people to give me two thousand dollars. People are worried about gas. People are worried about. I got. I got friends that are successful that are worried about building their own businesses, right? So people ask me to run, and I'm just like, I gotta make a phone call to friends that I know, either are starting families, trying to build their own generational wealth, trying to do it. And I got to ask them $2,000. That's cr- that's crazy. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. Mm-hmm. Whereas people in other areas, people in other upbringings, it ain't no problem that if I'm asked $2,000. $2,000 is nothing to some people. Mm-hmm. You ask some of those people, you, you drive on East Side, some of the mansions, some of the blacks on Boulevard and everything. You ask some of those people $2,000, they'll be like, oh, whatever. Here you go. It's $2. Right? That's the difference in politics. It's the money. Mm-hmm. And I always said, if I ran for office, I'm not going to make it about money. I'm going to be so honest with people about fundraising, about it. And I'm just going to go out and talk to people. So why I don't think about running is mostly the money aspect, but also like I want to be in a different, I want to be in a different mental and financial aspect to even think yeah. about doing that. And let's switch gears now to because you mentioned, sorry, being uh, working on the school board. 
right? And um, I want to know what that role entails because a lot of people don't even know what that looks like. Yeah, so right now the Providence Schools is under a uh, quote-unquote takeover. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Takeovers happen um, in a couple of different areas in the uh, country. Um, I think most recent, maybe also most famous in the takeover policy aspect is when the state of Massachusetts, Massachusetts took over Lowell uh, School District. Um, takeovers have mostly mixed to negative results, and we're seeing that in the state. So why is that? The Round Department of Education basically runs the Providence School District. As a school board, previous to the takeover, you would have control over hiring the superintendent, having to say on who the senior administration officials are. You have a lot more teeth in the game in terms of the funding, staffing. Um, you just have a lot more say. Now it's advisory. So every decision we make is really trying to figure out. So I will I will say right now, we're in a, I'm in the aspect of, and again, anyone could Google this. There's been a lot of controversies with the Providence School District, mostly false error, and mostly their own errors. You know, people fumbling the ball, people dropping. You know, it's just for a fake sports analogy, a lot, just a lot of just just self errors going on um, in this takeover. And I don't think anyone can deny it. Like you could just look at how many controversies has happened that is just like could have been avoided. If the school board was involved or if we were listened to, because I think where a lot of us is that is the school district hasn't improved. I only joined the school board to really have a positive impact um, of connecting youth to career opportunities, uh, financial literacy education really upgrading just our education system as a whole. I'm a big believer of teachers need to be paid more. The starting salary for province teachers is, you know, $44,000 in that ballpark. There's so many jobs in the economy right now. There's much more than that. So you could go to school, be a teacher, and get a job. Let's say you want to go to school, be a math teacher, because that's what your passion is. And then a financial institution is saying, hey, we'll pay you $65,000 if you want to learn investing will license you and are you could go be a teacher for forty four thousand dollars. But after that sixty five thousand dollars, maybe you have opportunity six figures. Whereas it's gonna take you a long time to get mm-hmm. eighty thousand, right? You gotta be Any, principal near damn near. Yeah, or, or be principal, right? You gotta have those ambitions. So I bring this up all the time because this is not a Rhode Island or Providence problem. This is an American education system problem. We should be paying teachers like we pay doctors. The, the, I say $75,000 should be the minimum salary in America to be a teacher. Point blank. I don't care where you're at. $75,000 should be the minimum. Maybe maybe higher. Maybe like $100,000. Because that's how important it is. It is. And we don't treat it mm-hmm. like it's important at all. So if you want to tell me what the number one issue is on our education society, minus of all the, the BS when we talk about the adults and how they want to go back and forth on Twitter or presses or press conferences and stuff like that, there's a lot of that that's just, you know, it, it is what it is. The main problem is our human talent in the classroom. And we're just not paying teachers enough. We're just not paying our education workforce uh, enough. And that that needs to be visited at the country 
level. Because so many people, again, we were talking about it. People, young people are like, I want to be an influencer. Mm-hmm. More than I want to be a teacher. Because it's appealing. You might be able to make, as a TikTok influencer, $45,000, a year <laughs> if you do it right. Yeah, to and just do videos. Just do videos. So what would you rather do? That or be a teacher in the classroom, wake up 6 a.m., 5 a.m., you know, go in Work there and teach. You might get some result being like, well, I got, I'm just at my house doing my thing. Work from home, right? The whole work from home aspect. That's something that America needs to needs to address. What do well, you think yeah. would be a solution? We we got to pay teachers more. We just got to invest in it. I don't care if you have to raise taxes. I don't care what you got. I don't care if you have to. Uh, look, doctors are important. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. got to pay for health insurance. We got to we got to pay to upgrade our health care system in America. We we know that, right? Teachers are right up there. Mm-hmm. You just got to pay for it. Do you care about? Like, if, if you care about young people, I don't care if you want to have kids or not. I don't have kids. And I might not have kids. I care about what the future kids are going to be doing in my community, in Providence, in Rhode Island. I'm sorry. You just got to pay. You just got to pay for teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to just, we just need to cut it out. Like, are they important to our economy or not? And to me, I rank them up very, very high. Teacher is much more important than a lawyer. I mean, they spend like, the most time with kids. Exactly. Child care workers are the same thing. That mm-hmm. That is another industry. My mom's been a child care worker most of her life. I don't, she's never made over, I don't think, $45,000. Wow. She's probably never made over $40,000. She's been in child care most of her working life at this point. In terms of like she's worked, it's been child care work. She's never made over $40,000. That's, that's, that's most child care work. That's most child care work. Mm-hmm. The access to child care. And it's care. heavy work. Yes. Yes. Again, do we care about the people that are that are taking care of our kids, whether it's in childcare, whether it's in our schools? I would say yes. And I'd say we should pay them very, very well. Very well. They, it, doctors, teachers. That's that's why that, that's what we need. Like that that's what we need to take care of. Um yes, like STEM chip development construction you know all that but like we got we gotta worry the people who are responsible literally for the way these kids minds are being shaped yeah that's important (laughs) and another thing is i school i mean uh, um cell phones and, and schools we gotta get rid of that yo i went to mount pleasant yes mount pleasant two weeks ago Literally every kid was on their phone. Oh, we got to get rid of it. I'm like, how is this acceptable? When I took my phone out for two seconds, my little sidekick flipped it over to the side. It was taken away for the rest of the day. They would call my mom. Hey, your daughter's on her phone for two seconds. Just looking at the time. Now these kids, they have their AirPods in. They're on cell phones. I'm like, yo, this is a college fair. When I was at a college fair, I wanted to know what college to go to. I, I wanted to be present and, and, you know, think about college. I feel like these kids are like, yeah, I'm going to do college because it's the next step. And they're being so they're being pushed to go to college, even if they don't want to go to college, but they were not interested at all. And the teachers forget about it. They just dropped them off in the cafeteria and went about their thing because they're not being, a lot of the teachers say, I don't get paid enough for this. 
You know how many times I've heard that while I was in school? I don't get paid enough to deal with your shit. Literally, teachers have told me that. And, you know, that has nothing to do with me. You chose this career. But I can understand now as an adult how that can be frustrating if you're working for a job, giving your all, literally seeing these kids more than you see your own kids, and they're disrespecting you. And then on top of that, the test scores, the reading level, COVID, what it's done to these kids. And right now my daughter is in the, I think I spoke about this here. I don't know, maybe I did. But my daughter is in the third grade, right? But by the time she finished second grade, she was already at a fourth grade reading level. I would like to take some credit for that. And maybe mo- and maybe some of it is just because she's intelligent, right? But in her classroom, there are children who are still reading at a kindergarten level. That is when you start learning how to read. Some of these kids can't even read cat, hat. They don't know the difference between long A, short A in the third grade. That's scary. They're almost at middle school and they can't read. And if you don't pay these teachers... They're they're just gonna lose interest and it also, sucks. Also, the parenting and the I mean it all. You know, I, th- it I, th- all I think people skip it, over the parenting. I think um, a lot of it is the parenting. But parents don't have time either because parents no, are trying to make parent, ends meet. The too. parents is also letting these things slide. Some parents don't it's, have the time. It's the truth. to care truly. Can 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 I can I add to that because I do I do agree. I think there are pay teachers, pay teachers more. Hundred percent, because otherwise you're not going to have any teachers For at sure. some point, like, and that's already happening. Yeah, like it just just advance ten years from now, where the economy's heading, work from home, jobs in different industries. Ten years from now, we're not we're just or update the system. I think the the school format they have now is still the school format they had in the ninety. Like they they upgraded it a little bit. They changed the paradigm. Yeah. It's still teaching the same way like you have not upgraded it like it mm-hmm. needs an upgrade needs you know for the time you know there you know what i mean i feel like I'm done there's with so too. many um aspects that you know have never changed and this is why i think a lot of these things is happening where kids are uninterested you know they're not looking for these things because the way the school system has, you know, yeah, we're still repeated. teaching. We're still the school is still um, the format of a school system is it's still for, in the way that it was created back when yeah, literally it, school was created. It's like more set up to. I mean, not that it was set up that way, but it was more geared for people to go work in these in the places, class, yeah, where. Whether it was a, a factory, whether it was doctors, whether it was, you know, it had a format for it, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that today in the, the age of technology, things have changed. You know, there's more access to a lot of things. So, you know, I'm, I mean, maybe the curriculums can teach a different way for the subject if it's math figure out a way to pull the kids into it. Like I keeping mean, them engaged. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm asking for too much. Maybe. But I, I feel like it's probably, like if I sit in a class today, it'll probably be like sitting in a class when, when I went to school. you were in class. No, 100%. You know is, what I mean? So the only like, difference is now they all have Chromes. So <laughs> if we're not upgrading the system also, you know, it's like... 
what are we doing? Like some, I, I think there's a lot of people at fault, you know, government, people that aren't getting paid enough, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, you know, but it's a lot of layers, no, like there is nobody really like, all right, we need to solve this. You know what I mean? Like even, even at a national level, like you don't, you don't hear like people really saying, Oh, the, the teachers aren't getting paid enough. The you know, but everybody everybody talks about oh our children. This is impacting our children, but nobody's really putting the money where their mouth is and taking mm-hmm. care of the people teaching us. On a national on a national level, uh, I think it was Kamala Harris. I could be fact checked. I'm ninety five percent sure she had she introduced that teachers would be making seventy five thousand dollars. So. The whole me saying seventy five thousand dollars, I'm pretty sure it's through Kamala Harris. I'm ninety five percent sure, but I don't want to be. <laughs> I, I could be fact checked and be and be proven wrong. Yeah, she's big on education, but to your point, she's vice president. I haven't heard anything like that. The, the Democrats have ran all you know, all the government. Mm-hmm. I haven't saw one policy bill of how do we increase teacher pay to. And that's a different conversation. It's a different animal. That's there's so many things you gotta mm-hmm. there's so many things you gotta negotiate, you gotta get through, and and all of that. I don't wanna fault come mm-hmm. on that. I will give her the credit in terms of like the idea again. Ninety five percent sure that's that's she's a when she was running for president, that was what she introduced. Um, but we could change all the curriculum. We could we can make the curriculum so uh, to a point where it's going to really help students get into the economy of today. But if we don't have the human capital in the mm. classrooms, the quality human capital in the classrooms, that's where we're, we're, we're going to be faulting. And I guess my, my biggest concern is a lot of the individuals, again, I talked about the province chamber of commerce annual meeting. I didn't hear about social media. I, I know that these these people that are huge policymakers in, in mm-hmm. higher rooms and maybe I'll ever get to, um, they know about these problems, but I don't think they have a lot of connectivity to people or like the current situations going on on the ground mm-hmm. to really address it. The grassroots. I, the grassroots. And I think that's what's really messing is, um, so I was a person that just wanted to be fully in politics. I, I was inspired by Obama, um, graduated with a political science public administration degree. And I just got to an aspect where I, I felt I was in a bubble mm. when I was so in, like when I was so deeply involved in politics and I try to stay away from that. Like I teach, uh, once a week, um, how to, how to do an intro to nonprofit class at a charter school. I, I try to be as much mm-hmm. as I can a, a, among people outside of my bubble. Sometimes I hate hanging around with people that just know politics. Cause I'm just like, I'm not getting the real information. Like I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm not getting about the real, I'm not getting the real information of what's going on. I'm just, I'm, I'm in an echo chamber. Right. And I, I feel that people just, I don't think it's fault of their own. It's just, they just get in there and there's not much you can learn when you're just stuck in a bubble and you think that's what you should be doing for people, but you're not really talking to people, you know, you're not in a classroom anymore. You're not talking to students. You're not seeing that students are just mm-hmm. on their phones all the time. And then, Hey, maybe we should address it at an education level. Otherwise 
Well, how, right. how are kids that are 12 years old just stalking their phone, watching TikTok during classrooms or texting each other, whatever, cyberbullying, depression, all of that, AD, like ADD, whatever. How are we addressing that 10 years from now? That's that's our future workforce. What is that going to... I, I had a flip I've, phone at 18. I think, <laughs> I think the phone situation is easy to solve. Just get um, um, data blockers. Yeah, but the thing is that he's saying I think saying just lock that, it in a class, uh, lock it in a locker room. Yeah, like, I mean, like, but what to, he's saying is that if they don't know it's a problem, they can't try to solve the problem. I, that's what I'm saying. You put um, data blockers in the schools. No, so yes, but you can only think of that if you know that it's an issue. Yeah, I, I'm just saying I don't, I don't think policymakers today know how much of a bigger problem is the phone issue right. is in schools. Because they're is, looking at everything from a grand scheme and forgetting to scale it down mm-hmm. and look at it for by city to city, community by community. That's the same thing with like nonprofit. When we were talking about city year off air mm-hmm. is that you have these nonprofits that are national that create a system or a module formula format, whatever you want to call it on a national level, forgetting that. Every city performs differently. Every community works mm-hmm. differently. Every community needs something different. What Providence students need is not the same thing that Cranston students need. Yes. So there needs to be somebody who funnels that information to the politicians who are not in those classrooms. And to, and to bring it back to the school board, this is where our power is really diminished, I would say. And it, again, I'm not trying to, if anyone views this, trying to be controversial, or anything, like that's, that's, we're just not being listened to. Mm. And that's the biggest problem of takeover is there are people on that board that just want to see Providence do well. And we've been seeing decisions get made and just trying to be like, Hey, we want to be out of the news. We just want to be out of the news for controversy. Can you do X, Y, and Z? And then we don't get listened to it. We're not trusted. And, and that's why I think you've had so much negativity go on. Unfortunately, in the school district, a lot of great teachers, a lot of great principals. The students is what makes mm-hmm. Providence, mm-hmm. right? So it's just we've been heavily underfunding the school district, and we're heavily underfunding the human capital, a.k.a. teachers, right? We're not paying teachers enough. And we're at an aspect where we're kind of criticizing the people in these classrooms, unfortunately. And it's just it's just a sad situation. It's too political. It's it's just too like education policy should be one of those aspects where it's just it's not it, it should be <laughs> so health and politics, right? I've been talking about doctors, talking about teachers, too mm-hmm. much fun. We we've seen over the past couple of years where like health and education, two of the things that should honestly be as bipartisan as possible. Yeah, not it's as human. Political. It's now left or right. It's like the, if you you were you, you, on the COVID side, anti-COVID side. side. You're you're on, now in the education that you're like anti-union, for union, pro uh, public school, pro charter. We're in this aspect where it's just like you, you, you gotta pick sides, and that is ridiculous. That's not good for. That is not good for the community. For for the community as a whole, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, that's where it's stuck. Where I have to, I have to keep. I, I say comments. I'm like, oh, I don't really, you know. Let me let me get an exit out of it because I don't. Want, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I don't but want that's it. the thing, I though. You're, you, I agree with humans you. don't fall into the line of systems. That's just not how systems. Um, how humans work. To what you're saying is like everything is being politicized. But you're it's when crazy. you're dealing with humans, you can't do that. Like you know what I mean? Because 
everybody's different. Like every student is different. When you're in the hospital, every patient you encounter is different. So it, there needs to be more to what you're saying, more, I guess, liberal. Some people will call it liberal ways on how people can run a hospital. Like well, only the doctors you, know you what see, that hospital needs. By saying liberal, you'll be triggering some people. Yeah, though. So yeah. therefore, right. But that's what I'm saying. It's too politicized. You know, is basically, I think, this is my opinion. I think people should just stop playing, you know, this is my side and call things out how things need to be called out. Because I, I think, you know what I mean? Like, for example, if I'm on the right, I'm saying, oh, no, this is right. This is right. Even though it's wrong, I'm saying it's right. Because you're trying to stick and to And if views. I'm on the Democratic side, if it's wrong, I'm also saying it's right. So, like, everybody's just pulling to one side and nobody's actually being like, oh, these are the solutions. This is what we need to do. Let's get things solved. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, we live in a country we, that does that. Exactly. Look at our um, Congress, for example. They're just playing tug of war and nobody's like, yo, all right, enough with the fuck. The fuck shit. Let's get to business. Nobody is really getting to business. This could all be solved if people really come together as Americans. As humans. Not 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 as you know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, I think all this divisiveness is gonna hurt us in the long run as a Americans. I mean it already is. You know what I mean? People are pulling to one side, nobody's coming up with solutions. You're literally you know, it's okay to disagree with the neighbor. It's okay, but let's get to business. Let's get to solutions. Let's get to solving what the crisis is. There's a lot of talking and you not enough I mean? walking, but I'm going to have to cut you off because mm -hmm. we are running out of time here. Um, I want to talk about, because you talk a lot about human connection and you are also co-founder of Papi's Papi's Coquito, which is a liquor brand. And I, I'd say co-owner. Co-owner as, okay. as opposed to co-founder. Co yeah, okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes more sense. Um, and on the website, I was reading this beautiful story of, you know, to someone that is uh, Latina, I already know the history of Papi's Coquito, right? Obviously, it's a tradition. It's a Puerto Rican tradition. Um, it's just a lot. It's part of Latin culture now. Dominicans drink Coquito as well. But... To hear the story, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, it's common sense. Like the story of like this is passed down from my grandmother and, you know, drinking is just a part of our culture. Like having a drink with somebody like that is how I engage with most of the elders in my life. Like, let's have a drink. Yeah. Um, so I think that the way that it's worded here on the website is beautiful. But tell us a little bit about um, Papitos, uh, Papi's Coquito. Which, by the way, congratulations on having it, like, I think 43 locations now? 40, over 40 locations? We might, we, we might be over 50 now. But, like, yes, yes, it's, it's hard to keep. Um, so, yeah, thank you, for, thank you for highlighting that. So, Victor Regino, um, you know, that's his family story. Uh, and um, he, how I met Victor was through Millennial Rhode Island. So, Louis Olmo, who is a co-founder, I would... I, those are both the co-founders, Victor Regino, Louis Olmo. Those are co-founders. And um, Louis was my, uh, it still is the treasurer of Millennium Rhode Island. And we knew each other through Rick. Um, Love both of those folks. But Louis introduced me to Victor, both on the board. And, you know, I remember buying the black market, Bobby's Coquito, the bottle and everything. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is beautiful. Everything like that. And just hearing 
about their their mission to bring this to market. I was so I was sold. I was sold like day one. And I consider myself as, you know, just an investor of time, money, resources, all that, because I just want to see it to, to succeed. Uh, where my where my passions lie on a lot of things is I'll see people I'll see ideas I'm like I just want to see that happen like I especially in the city especially in the state because what we have been doing what they started is a big deal for people of color in the city state and across the country and sometimes you just see people and you understand there's an X factor that in Victor, he's never going to stop. He's going to, he's going to keep going no matter what to make this happen. Um, and I saw that and I was just like, I just want to be part of it. Like I just fly on the wall. Have I could do that. You know, there's one of those things. It kind of was like, Cause I just, I loved it. And I, and I knew that I had certain skills or certain advice, whatever that could just help it. So, um, you know, they approached me after me haggling, be like, look, I, I love the idea. I just want to be a part of it. Like, this is, this is great. I just want to see, I just want to see this happen because the homemade coquito tastes so great. I love the brand, loved everything. I just, I just love the idea. I love the concept. So in October of 2020, right, everyone had a lot of time to think and all of that came together, joined the business, um, launched in April and, you know, we're in, in a ton of locations now across the state mm-hmm. and there is a lot of work that went into it um you know victor is a genius he's someone that is did not graduate from college um has legitimately learned everything he can from other people to go and make this happen um lewis is a fine accountant uh and I just trust those people and I'm happy to play the part that I play um, to help this grow night today, but this is going to be a long-term, For you sure. know, uh, making this happen. But um, there's a lot of things that we were learning recently. A lot of things we learned to get into there that, you know, if we were, you know, we were talking about politics and the difference between like, uh, Alorza asking his community for money compared to other people asking mm. community for money. It's the same way for business. It's the same way in terms of you know lawyer networks. As much as I can, you know, I do have a great network. We're all of an age where we can't we can't give back like we can give back, right? Even even some of the counterparts that have had it, you know, had a different. Um, I say this it, like foundation compared to the foundation I had. Those are people that are still, they're not like in the greatest of atmospheres. They're still trying to pay bills, stay out family, whatever. Like as much as they had a good foundation that way, it's not like they're in the aspect to give back immediately. So when it's a for-profit business as compared to a non-profit business, it gets a little, it gets a little different. And there's a, there's a bunch of people, don't get me wrong. There's a bunch of people that's helped us out, um, gave us advice and, and all of that. Lawyer fees are expensive. Anyone that's looking to start a business, Lawyer fee is expensive. Trademarking is more important than you'd ever believe um, if you want to take it out of local. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want national, trademarking is the first thing that you should probably look into. So 
there there are things that we learn that you know in this like in this era where it's poppy's coquito like great product we found a great taste great product but there's a lot of things we learn that i think is going to help us when we celebrate our fifth year being in stores because it's not just about coquito what we're trying to do is build a straight up liquor business where there's different products that that we offer and you know you really haven't seen that done by people of color in the state quite frankly um so especially young people of color that's not coming from like you know and not necessarily in the beer brewing aspect right we're trying to rum liqueur you know uh rum cream liqueur like right like just being in that market very niche market we're only one trying to enter that but we're going to have different products as well so it's been a great experience have learned a lot and what my hope is is that when we get to the other side five ten years from now and we do grow our success we're able to take everything we've learned the bumps bruises the successes the wins and really teach that to the young people whether they want to start their own business doing something else they want to enter into the liquor business mm-hmm. hopefully we hire people right we bring people on we give people jobs that's like the main dream right like mm-hmm. we employ people locally to do that um and you know it's great to be celebrated we've had a, you know solid you know just being asked this question or press and, and stuff like that but sometimes it feels surreal because we're just so far away from like the goals and the dreams mm. we want to we want to get to so it's kind of like celebrating those small ones but also knowing there's so much work that staying needs to focused. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the biggest what's the biggest lesson you learn on this venture? Like, you know, dealing with liquor must be a whole different you know, cuz not only you have to deal with liquor, but you have to deal with food and drug um administration. So how does that work for y'all? Yeah, I I would just say that so in, to your question, specific, like when you, when you go specifically, when you're talking about just liquor, um, all of those regulated, all of those things that you could read mm-hmm. and learn about, ask questions about, um, I think, and that's why like, I trust Victor, mm-hmm. you know, who's the, who's the, who's the founder. That's the story of his, his grandmother. He'll, he'll find out anything. doesn't matter. You know, he's like, all right, this is what I need to do. How do I do it? And I'll ask anyone, I'll read anything, I'll watch anything, whatever I need to do to get this done, I'm going to get this done. Mm. So you you could just see that in certain people. You know what I mean? So so me coming in to the business, right, because I'm not a founder, coming to, it's just like I could see the tenacity. I could see, like, he's going to do it no matter what. Right? He's going he's gonna to get this done no matter what. And so the biggest lesson I personally learned is teams matter. Everything, whether it's millennial, whether, you know, the um, corporate job I got, whether it's the side business, hell, even trying to make changes to the school board, it's a team. You can't do it individually. The strength Victor showed is he knows he needed to build his team, right? Hence why they sat me down, bring me on. And right, and quite honestly, we need to bring on more people because we're not, we're doing this part-time. We all have full-time jobs, right? Um. So it's like, how do you build that capacity, which is a continuous struggle? I think our main problem is lack of time. 
you know, people got kids, people got full-time jobs, people got responsibilities, people got other things they just want to do, right? And it takes money to invest. And it takes money. And it takes a lot of time when you do things. Mm-hmm. When you do things that is not finite, like you're not getting the paycheck, right? You're not mm-hmm. getting the paycheck and the bills keep if coming. If anything, you're, you're dropping more money the oh, opposite way. Oh, yeah. Time? <laughs> time? Like the amount of meetings, hours, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Working, working events, like you know, what emails, I mean? emails, Zoom meetings, like those. That's money. That's money, right? Um, so that's all. But uh, but like that's an investment. The same way, if you mm-hmm. invest, if you had two hundred thousand dollars, you maybe instead of that, hey, I can invest two years in your product, right? Mm-hmm. Because I believe in you, right? Those, those are those are kind of the same things. Um. And I would say those are the early lessons I learned. Trademarking's big. Um, lawyer fees are going to be huge. If you want to start a business, you want to scale it, lawyer fees are going to be huge. And trying to have just accountability and communication amongst your team. Um, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, I said on podcasts, you know, infamously, like, how many podcasts have broke up, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just bringing it up because I'm a big like, po- yeah, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm a podcast fan, at least multiple, right? But like businesses break up and friendships break up. So like we're all friends and balancing it out. So those are all lessons I think we're still, mm. we're still learning, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, that's what I have. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, we have this culture on on social media. Where it's like own your own thing, start your own thing, be ownership, 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 self made, self made, all of that. And having gone through honestly two chapters of my life, like the nonprofit aspect, um, that's crazy. People that start up an own their own nonprofit and then make it to the point where they could be financially at a certain point. Like you got to be in a different category, but like I've learned a lot about it. Like that's, that's a crazy the endeavor. Beast, yeah. And then the for-profit aspect, um, both, both of those, those, that's not for the weak. Like that's not for the weak. And I think when we talk about a lot about young people, my concern is, and again, I, I'm not going to be, I'm, I, I'm not ever going to want to be in a situation where I publicly like, or even privately, like really hate on young people, the younger generation. Because they said they said this is the same about us. But one of the things I am concerned about is because of social media, because of influence, you see it and you're like, oh, it's easy. It is not. Like it is. <laughs> it is not like Poppy's Coquita, right? Like is is right now um, a success deemed by a lot of people. That took years. Mm. years of work of hours and we still have years to go <laughs> before we can be like yes we have made it right we have we have done what we came to do and and accomplish what we needed to accomplish a whole bunch of companies are deemed a success and are not profitable for years That's right true. and we would just like that's see that's very very common in the restaurant business that's why mm-hmm. we see so many restaurants they start like there was a chicken place on broad street um and we were also excited for it but it didn't stick around for long because people forget that part like yes you can be successful and it's working but you won't see profit in everything that you invested into it for a long time and for everybody that's just not it's not realistic to wait around for that you know you got things 
you got bills to pay and people to take care of. So to be an entrepreneur, I mean, creating anything is is a headache. Like even content creation, like there's days where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to look at a computer. I don't want to talk about a podcast. I don't want to talk to anybody like but keeping that passion is so important and staying inspired and motivated. And when I went to a loft Providence um, for the first time, yeah, I think that was the first time. And I was at the bar and I saw Papi's Coquito and I was like, I literally almost felt like shedding a tear because we don't see that. We don't see people like we hear like the the mm-hmm. neighborhood guy selling jungle juice, right? But he never takes that jungle juice and puts it at a tropical liquors and puts it out in the loft Providence or some random liquor store in Cumberland. Like y'all have done that. So I think that that speaks to what you're saying in your trust in Victor where he's going to make it happen and is pretty evident. Like he's it's happening. And and I think it's beautiful, especially because it is a tradition that's so personal to us. And and you know, Goya has their own brand, but how, how you gonna this is just No, I'm I'm gonna well, you didn't even let Goya. me finish. I'm saying they, Goya they, has their they own have brand. Their own, like, how do you could make one? Yeah, I was product. gonna say they it's a kit. Them. It's not the yeah. actual ready to go All liquor. Right. And we don't you know, there's just so much controversy with Goya. So it's nice to I guess, come from Rhode Island and meet the people who are investing in this and working in this and knowing that these are real people who represent this tradition the right way. So con- congratulations to all of y'all, to all three of you for doing that. That's amazing. And can I, can I just say that uh, it's funny, like during Thanksgiving, we talk about Thanksgiving, right? Uh, and, you know, my mom brought home uh, Coquito and um, I don't know who made it. <laughs> somebody else's cookie. So, and it was like all these jokes about it, right? It's all these jokes about it. Uh, my my brother and my sister in law, like they they bought the poppy's cookie though. They showed me and everything like that and all that. And and I have zero issue with the the black market coquito which is the funny thing like being part of it and people are like thinking I'm supposed to be offended or like we're supposed to be offended. I think we all feel the same. And it's just like no, we want you. Like if you have a great recipe for cooking. <laughs> you got a great plug like go do your thing we our goal is not to interrupt that market we want you like make your money do your thing right like and i think that's the funny thing this year because it wasn't like too long ago helping sell by my own goal either right so it's just kind of like we we celebrate that but if you don't want to make it you want to just go to the store and grab it or honestly, we had a lot of success during the spring and summer. Summer comes around, no one's making it. That's you want to go point. go to the store and go grab it, mm-hmm. or like what Revival did. They had a they had a frozen coquito. It was like a peanut coquito type thing. Tasty, great. You know, like if you want that all year long, that, that and that's our thing. Coquito se- coquito season is all year long. And that's how we want to how how we want to celebrate the culture. So I think that I, I just wanted to I just wanted to add that because I think it's just funny when people are like, oh, my brother say like, oh, you brought the op in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, like I that's our culture. We wanna right. we wanna celebrate that because hey, it's tradition. It's tradition, mm-hmm. and I would stand are ready to make you know re- ready to drink coquito among any other type of uh coquito again but we can't we don't have access to the ingredients that like you know 
because <laughs> you just certain things you can't have in a in a liquor store, right? You can't have going mm-hmm. back to your point of like what you can and cannot have mm-hmm. with certain ingredients. But um, I think we have a great product. Uh, but I I love everyone that wants to also have it in the black market as well, especially during the season. Make your money. Yeah, it's dope. But um, to end this off, I want to ask you because I know I am a Providence aficionado. But I think it's so interesting to meet other people that love it as much and are doing more. <laughs> and I think you, what you contribute to the city is, um, you know, it probably to you feels like because you're in it and you're so focused and it's hard to kind of like step back, like you said, celebrating small wins. But I think what you're doing is really setting us up for a different trajectory in the state. But I want to ask you, where does the passion come from? to rep Providence, especially having the, um, you know, our past, uh, our, mm, how do I word this? People haven't always been prideful in the city. Like wearing a Providence t-shirt was unheard of. And if you did wear it, you were, you were a corn for that. Like, right. Like now there's PPD hats, there's t-shirts, there's this, there's that, there's all these local events that are cultivating this culture. But for you, what is it? Why? Why do you want people to choose Rhode Island? Or why do you choose Rhode Island specifically? Yeah, so when um, I graduated, I actively thought about going to New York or maybe joining the Peace Corps. Like, my, my first thought was, like, I need to leave. Um, I just need to leave. I need to get out of here. That's what I've been taught. So I didn't have the whole choose our mindset, like, graduating from college. Even when I bought business cards, I didn't go out here. But I was actively looking at different opportunities, where I could go, what I can do. And it's really the people that just kept offering me opportunities. That's that's really what it was. I mean, if I didn't meet Alorza, and the story I met Alorza was kind of like, <laughs> sorry, my Alorza. I so I don't know Spanish. I, I think I said to see the pre podcast during podcast, and um, I uh, networking one of the first networking events took a couple people with me, uh, who were hella successful. And uh, now in their, in their current career fields. But we were all networking. We were all graduating from Rick. Or one of the people, close friends, was um, about to graduate from Rick. And we went to this, like, Latino networking business event. And it was Judge Alorza, and, you know, talking about running for Providence, blah, blah, blah. He does the whole thing in Spanish because it, it was all Spanish, right? <laughs> and I met him previously. I met him previously at some dinner I got invited to do another round college student. So I knew of him. I had a good conversation with him. I knew he traveled a lot. I knew what he was doing. I knew he was gearing up to run. But I didn't know Spanish. So I was just like, I, I raised my hand. I was like, how can someone like me help someone like you? Because I already, I already had that interaction with him, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew, like, I wanted to be part of the campaign. I wanted to, like, if he's running for mayor, because dynamic individual, all that. But I don't know what he's doing or not. <laughs> I told multiple people. But, like, that was seven months, seven, eight months of me and him really going to so many events, meeting so many people. And it was through that that I was just like, okay, meeting the community, meeting the city, and then understanding the opportunities that exist here. And I've always had opportunities here in in, in Providence. I'm not, you know, there's many cheerleaders, right? Stay silent. You're talking about the PVD hats. One of my favorite hats. I try to I try to tell Sabrina. I, I've texted Sabrina multiple times. I'm like, could I get a winter hat for my big head that has the PVD, you know what I mean? The PVD logo, you know what I mean? Like the blue hat and everything. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I love, you know what I mean? I, I, I love it. You know, stay silent. 
huge, right? You had, you had. We talk about them all the time. Yeah, you had Where's Nasty talking about we had the best, you know, we had the best parties, best party scene. <laughs> he on Twitter, they were trashing him on oh Twitter. But we need someone to go and do that, right? Yeah. Because that's true. We have a good culture. We have a great culture for partying. We have a great culture for business. You know, it's just, you, you just sort of got to find that. Rhode Island Original, their brand, everything. Mm. So many different individuals are cheerleading for the city and for the state. So I am just one of them and I get encouraged by the people. And when I see the negativity, I understand that there's a whole bunch of struggles. You know, we talked about the school system, um, business environment, hundred percent could be better, especially when we're talking about access to capital to, to people of color. I think about, you know, when I entered into the space, I was just like, I asked, I was just like, you know, who's managers. Cause you know, Providence is creative capital, but where's the space for content creators? Mm. And, you know, I said that, I said that the sound <laughs> of, you know, Club Ambition, I'm like, you know, he's got a great studio up in Johnson. I was just like, damn, I wish it was in Providence, right? Which, we're talking about Providence. Or wish that it was bigger and more accessible oh, to everybody. Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, if I had money. Um, so there's certain things I'm like, I, just, I wish there was certain investments, certain aspects, certain where we could just make the city better. So what keeps me wanting to be in here is like, there's so much potential. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that are still here, but I understand when people are like, I need to go, I need to leave. And I think there are two groups of people that do that. There are the groups of people that it doesn't matter about where they're at, the location. They're just, they're just going to be unhappy, unfortunately. And I think they would be unhappy in Miami. They'd be unhappy in LA. They'd be happy in New York. They're just gonna, and that, and I'm it's pretty internal. sure. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there are people that are just in New York City, unhappy. Like I need to move. And I think there are others that have an actual legitimate gripe that are like, I want to do this business, and because of these environmental aspects, I can't succeed here. Or I've been in this company and I have this specific industry. And, like, these jobs don't exist here, so I need to go elsewhere. And what I would encourage people that feel like Providence Rhode Island's not, not them is just really question, really ask, like, is it the market you're trying to enter into that doesn't exist here? That's a that's a really, like, if someone's like, I want to be the greatest actor of all time, well, then get out of Rhode Island. I'm sorry. It's not here. It's not going to be here. Or not. Unless you do the greatest YouTube show <laughs> Which you, you can, can start here, yeah. You can, and but I wouldn't encourage Eventually, you will have to leave. Networking. Mm -hmm. Got to You got to network with people in LA. Got to network with people in New York. You want to be the greatest rapper of all time? Sure, you can. You can do what? Uh, what's the rap? He's one of my. He's one of my up and coming most favorite rappers right now. Uh, in Providence? No, 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 no. no. Oh. In general, uh, La Russell. La Russell. We talked about him last week. Where, where's he? Where's he? Uh, where's he? Uh, he's from the Bay. Yeah. But he's building his own studio. I mean, building Blayo. his own like Blayo. independent. Independent. I think he might be. I think he might be like attached to Russ somehow. Chance did the same thing. Uh, yeah, he's um he has a partnership with Russ. Yes, Russell. He he um he offered him a distribution deal because mm. Russ is also independent. Yeah, from mm -hmm. Jersey. So, but like he he I, I see at his house he's got like concerts up there. He's doing video mm -hmm. content and everything. Someone in Providence could do that today, right? Like, so I, I think like there are avenues you could do, but I would also be like, maybe still gotta go somewhere else where the network. I mean, eventually, they, I, I everyone has to mm -hmm. like whoever's doing some kind of creativity 
like music or acting, whatever. It's like when the when the plant is too big for the pot and you got to put it in a bigger pot so it can grow. Mm-hmm. Right. Eventually, you have to take the tree out of the pot and put it in the ground so it can grow. Um, but I, I do think it's fascinating when I see people growing and still from here. You know, Hennessy tweeted this out not too long ago when she was saying there's um, um, I don't know verbatim, so I don't want to ruin it. But it was to the effect of like people keep telling her she can't make it from Providence. And she's like, you know how beautiful it is for me to be on tour with mm-hmm. a boogie or open up for uh, Jack Harlow and still go to Baja's after. Like, that is crazy to even it's, think about for someone who know, doesn't think it's possible. People, people say that because they ain't never seen. Right. So, you and know, being, being from a third market, you know, city or probably like a, you know. Definitely not, not third. third. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking that Way as lower. I said it. But you know what I mean? I'm just setting an example. Right. Like being so far removed from, you know, first market, you know. People look at it like, man, you're going to be a failure, you know, and it's not not like them doing it to hurt your feelings sometimes. It's sometimes what they know. It's just you're from Rhode Island. Needle in a haystack. Yeah. You know, how is somebody in L.A. going to find you, you know, being in Rhode Island? But the good thing is that social media, social media has <laughs> has elevated people, you know, for example, one of the biggest social media artists has been Justin Bieber. Bieber. <laughs> At a, um, but yeah, like, you know what I mean? He He's definitely one of the biggest social media artists. Don't forget about Soulja Boy. No, but Justin Bieber. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know. Justin Bieber is way beyond a Soulja Boy. Yeah. Just, you know, and. Of course. Apples to oranges. Yeah. Sorry. So, so you know what we can do in Providence? Um, we we need, uh, and other cities have this. We need like a music commission, a music arts and entertainment commission. Mm-hmm. We need it to be city recognized. And Hennessy is a great artist mm-hmm. musically. Like I've I've listened to quite a bit of her music, and there's no reason why she shouldn't be up there. Just like what I hear sonically, right? Right. Um. So, for example, we just we just celebrated the you know um, Jeremy Pena. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremy Pena. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Pena. Yeah, yes. Oh my, Houston God, Astros. my God. Houston Astros. The first MVP. Because I'm a Yankee fan. Astros on. since '98. First MVP rookie since '97. Yes. We brought him and celebrated him as we should. Mm-hmm. As we should. What are we doing with our 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 musical talents? What are we doing our entertainment? And it's just thing like elected officials, our culture, our community. We don't necessarily think about I think music, art, and entertainment the same way we think about sports. Oh, you made it! Oh, you you world World Series MVP, but open up for Jack Harlow is big. That's, big deal. that's yeah. hard. She's right? making waves. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I respect Alorza so much too, because he put a lot of emphasis on the creativity and the arts here. Like when uh, Flawless made it to um, Rhythm and Flow, Rhythm and Flow, second place. To some people, they're like, "eh," but that's a big deal. That show had millions and millions of views and gave him a lot of leverage that he deserved and worked no, for. It's not part. like he's a regular Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. And then he came back, and Mayor Lorza presented him the key to the city. Like that's how you change things for people who 
don't think is possible. You show them that not only is it possible, but you get respected and acknowledged for it too. You, you know, it's funny. I was having a, a conversation with Cam Bells not too long ago, and he was mentioning that this is the first generation we're going to get to see that because oh, the people are actually getting into those spaces. It's like you got the Ricky Litos, you got the... You know, Jeremy Pena's, you got the flawless. David Duke, Jr. David Duke. You know, so they're going to be the people changing that for Rhode Island. Now now you could say, oh, we got people on the map. Mm-hmm. Like, there are actually people from where I am from that are making it, you know. So it opens people's, you know. And not only that, but... Uh, those people also being proud of mm-hmm. coming from Providence because everywhere you hear Lily rain, who's in in Atlanta right now, she sweats Providence. Like mm-hmm. I'm from Providence. I'm from Providence. I'm from Providence. When flawless gets presented on the BET hip hop cipher, Providence, it says Providence, Rhode Island. Rhode Island on the screen, you know, and when Jay is at sway in the morning, he's mm-hmm. talking about Providence, Rhode Island. He's talking about Daytrail. So when it Euro takes is doing something Euro as well. So Providence, it takes Rhode people Island. from who are being successful to also, you know, put some respect on the city. But peep this: these are all businesses. Mm-hmm. All these individuals mm-hmm. are businesses. Hennessy is a bit. Well, yeah, not talking about. Sure. We're not talking about the alcohol, right? We're talking about right. the artists. The <laughs> it's a business. Support. Is definitely needs to be increased in the in our government and what we do in terms of giving out. Mm-hmm. But we need to give out money, yeah. And we need to help them build infrastructures in marketing. Mm-hmm. In terms of, hey Hennessy, if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars, build out marketing, go make yourself national. Do you need do you need YouTube stuff? Do you need social media stuff? Do you need marketing studio market? That is the type of support I'm talking about. These yeah. are. These individuals are talking about they're all businesses. They're all businesses. Mm-hmm. And if they pop off, that's greater tourism for Providence. And that's what the decision makers don't really connect. Mm. If Hennessy if 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 Hennessy pops off, becomes this like ultra you know, multi-million mm-hmm. stream, you know, individual out there. And is promoting Providence, it's the same way people are like, Oh, I want to visit Toronto because of Drake. One hundred percent, yeah. Or people the same be reason like, why we go, go to New visit. York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is tourism, but policymakers don't really connect that. Mm. They don't connect that because yeah. the the they're outdated as well. Yeah, the mindset is messed up. They're, I mean, but the we mindset, get, they're living. The, it's the mindset. It's yeah. just like, oh, Providence cannot. Like people from Providence can't get to that level. So why would we even think about supporting right. that? It's the smallest state sigma. I mean, but we could talk about this all day. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. But thank you, <laughs> thank you for coming. Okay, Travis Escobar, who is a man who's doing so many things. This is man not only talks that talk, but he walks the walk and we can all learn something from you. So thank you for coming and, you. Um, you know, taking the time out to talk to us. You have a lot to say. So you made our jobs easy. I love when guests come and just talk. I could just say here. Right. Just, just listen. I'm just like, day. let's go. Yeah. It, and it's great because now we know who you are and what you stand for. And oh, all cause some thoughts. people want, sh- want me to shut up. No. <laughs> no, the only no. person I want to shut up is Ruben because he has poor time and look at him, look at him. He wants to say something so bad I actually <laughs> to do. prolong the episode. But, um, unfortunately we don't have time for pass me the aux because Travis has, nah, let's import. do, let's do pass. Me you want to do it? Yeah, let's do you it. Sure? Whatever. Yeah. I'm on your time. I'm on vacation. I'm going to Columbia <laughs> tomorrow. So let's do pass. The okay. Aux. All right. 
bands. It's on you. So you already know what time it is. It's past me the aux. Uh, it's kind of unexpected, but <laughs> <laughs> now I got to whip up something real What do you quick. mean it's unexpected? We do this every week. No, no, but being that we already scheduled not to do it, I'm it was on. It was on the dock. You don't be looking I, at docks. That's I, I, could, the thing. I could go first and um, give you some time yeah. to look. Yeah, go ahead. Nah, actually, I'll go first. Oh. I, I got this. <laughs> I'm a. My bad. I got. Actually, I'm gonna pass it to you just because I don't know the name of the song. No, because I saw the agenda. I was just like, All right, I got a song. What's the song? It, it, it is. I'm gonna have because you know it in I'm, a, I'm a I'm a J. Uh, oh, you you can pull it up from there, right? Yeah. Uh, Jay Z, say hello. Mm. Ooh, damn, that's a classic. Set rock for the music. I'm a bad guy, they say I'm a bad guy I come from the bottom, but now I'm mad fly They say I'm a menace, now the picture they paint They say a lot about me, let me tell you what I am They say I'm a bad guy, say hi to the bad guy I come from the bottom, but now I'm mad fly They say I'm a menace, that's the picture they paint They say a lot about me, let me tell you what I am Hey, hey, hello, Say a lot about me, let me tell you what I ain't. I ain't playing life short, so I ain't. I ain't waiting to life start training them. It's twice as hard to get a job to paying them. So I ain't paying attention to what you're saying. Raindrops keep falling on my brain. Cause I'm in the drop on flames. I'm so hot, even if the weather changed. I don't have no top, I'm insane. Remember dark skin Wait in the rain, it's sort of kind of the same Except I'm no lame and you're gonna know my name Before I go, the world will feel my pain Saying I'm a bad guy, why's that? Swim my back's against the wall, nigga, I be acting Secretly though, I know you admire that I wish you had the balls to fire your back Say hello, uh, uh, hello uh, uh. I wish you had the balls to fire your back That song, that album is so underrated, I feel like. That's my one of my favorite Jay-Z albums, probably Absolutely. top two. Absolutely. And who are you passing the aux to? The imaginary aux that I have here in control. You're passing it to me? Okay, cool. So I'm going to pick an old song. I've been on, I think when it gets warmer, my choice of music changes in the car. I mean, not warmer, colder. It's definitely getting colder and darker. Um, so I'm listening to a lot of more somber stuff. So my pick is Gang Over Love by Brent Fias. Mm. I was hella broken. I didn't have a dime. But I was always focused. I didn't waste no time. Never calling my name. I used to walk to work every day. Me and my dog. Like in the night, I came out all right. 
All the homies, we can move the same way And I swear ain't nothing change Got a little bit of change in my pocket, but I maintain We were young and in this world Chasing dreams and girls Running from our problems I know that we older now But that's what we were Remember we were young Young and dumb Some niggas in a rush That was Brent Fias Gang Over Love. I love that song because he's just saying some real regular, basic, everyday things that many people can relate to. And that, I don't know if that's an album or an EP, but it's one of my favorite EPs, like, in a long time. I, I fuck with Brent Fias heavily. Did you like his recent album? I heard it was, like, some people that call Max. It's not as good as this one, but it is still good. Yeah, and I think he has something else coming out too because I saw him get interviewed by Angie Martinez. I think it was Angie Martinez or somebody. So, I mean, but he he's a niche artist too. So, like, if you don't like that sound, you just may not enjoy anything he makes. But, Bands, it's on you now. Well, if y'all listen to the podcast, y'all, y'all know I'm an avid Stormzy fan. And he just dropped an album, which I think is... is by far, musically, one of the best projects I've heard this year. And I mean musically. So that's a little different. It's not lyrical. Right. Like sonically I sounds great. I think this is just like the the whole album's like beautiful. Okay. And the song um, is? This is what I mean by Stormzy is my song. With all the speculation Had to close the store for renovations My cousin said storms, man, they're running out of patience, you know Time to make a statement Time to free my mind of limitations Vanessa Majors, that's my form of reparations They said you can't slide, you're a treasure to the nation But what they gonna do, what they gonna say Storms got that sauce, this that bolognese Talking about the bread like it correlates I see you looking bothered with your bothered face even though we're coming from a common place All I see is stars like we in a rave So give him room to grow and just give him space And he could be a young black Jimmy Nate Oh, this is clean This is clean This is what I mean I said, this is what I mean All my niggas got it Now the anticipation, the build up on that song 
That was nice. And when you hear it, like, with full speakers. Full speakers, man. Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to that. But, yes. Damn, so, yeah, that was pass, pass Me the Aux. Christina, do we have any announcements? I have no announcements except, um, I always say that every week. I say that I have no annou- announcements except. So, actually, yes, I do have an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> this Thursday, December 1st, I can't believe we're already in almost at December, but Janae Lopes will be headlining the Providence Slam open mic over at AS220. The doors open at 7 and event starts at 8 o'clock. So go out and support her and support all the other local uh, spoken word <coughs> artists that will be performing that night. Shout out to um, AS220 for being a space where creativity lives. And shout out to um, Janae Lopes for um, coming on last week and getting to hear her brilliant mind. And thank you to Travis Escobar for coming through and sharing all things that are floating through your head. Um Give us your social media, anything that you would like to plug in for the people to follow. Yeah, thank you again for uh, for bringing me on. Happy happy to do this. It was great. Uh, all my social media handles is Travis Escobar, so you know, very easy to <laughs> very easy to find me on on social media. Go out, buy a bottle of Papa's Coquito, go and support. Um, it's just you know one of the few young people of color owning a liquor brand going to do this so if you're supporting a a dream that is that is local go out when a bunch of locations go out and check out poppy's coquito on instagram poppy's um yeah we're out there if you're a fan of coquito you'll be a fan of this whole bunch of things you can also do with that drink as well um uh, millennial rhode island go and follow that as well instagram we got a whole bunch of network events if you're out there looking to get just just connected we do financial literacy events so if you're learning about hey you want to learn how to invest start a business you know we'll be doing that um throughout the year but also we just do you know social networking so if you want to go out and meet a new friend meet a new business partner we, we provide that opportunity word thank you thank you and thank you everybody for listening to another episode of spark up podcast episode 159 in the books we are so close to our 200th episode which is wild to think that we're only at 200 because i feel like we've done about a million of these but um yeah thank you to everybody for your continuous support like share comment subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend i will see you next week bands will be out and he decided to tell me today only because i asked him about a photo shoot that's crazy I'll, he was I'll be, leaving me I'll for be that here, he wasn't i'll be here me. next week um my last podcast would be um and then you're the out of here 11th and then i'm out for the rest of the year wow <laughs> i'm out of here i feel like that would have been important to tell me but we're, we don't have to do this on air it's fine thank you everybody for tuning in sparkle podcast christina sev catch me on uh wbru tuesdays 12 to 1 p.m and we are out see you next week